Welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by two of your usual hosts. We have uh, Tom Mannering's back. Way! Hey! Celebrating, <laughs> celebrating my own return. Yeah. I just wanted an excuse to edit in air horns at some point this episode. How are you doing? Hang on, hang on. And also, Josh Hartley's here! <laughs> just a dust bowl. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get crickets for that Cricket. bit. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm all right. Um, I'm. Uh, we were saying before we started recording. I'm finishing up for a week's holiday tomorrow. I say this to to rub it in Tom's face again, basically. Because I, I reacted so well the first time you told me that news, you thought you'd just tell me about it again. Yeah, uh, that's great, buddy. I'm. I'm real happy for you. Real happy. You know, holidays are something that is available to you as well. Uh, I have in holidays. Your line but, of work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in your line of work. Uh, yeah, I have holidays. Yeah. Uh, I have holidays in June. No, we are. That's, that's pra- we're practically there. So We are practically there. It's, it's weird because I don't normally get holidays in June, July because our work, obviously, you have families, right? And, like, mm-hmm. obviously, people tend to want to have their holidays in June and July because the kids are off school. But mm-hmm. uh, so I, I usually let other people take them because I don't have kids, um, so I won't take them in June and July. But this year, nobody's like using their holidays because obviously people are wanting to wait until they can really kind of you know travel and things. So I was like, I'm gonna have a June holiday. I'm gonna treat myself. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Look, look at me being all fancy. <laughs> you could uh, you could holiday in the UK somewhere. You could, could have like a, a long weekend in Blackpool. How about that? God, that's like torture. Uh, I am, <laughs> I am hopefully either going to visit my mum or my mum is going to come to visit me if Aww. circumstances allow. So uh, that'll be nice. Funnily enough, it all depends on when we both get our respective COVID jabs booked in because we're both kind of due around that period of time to have our jabs. So we're kind of waiting to see what appointments we get and then we'll figure mm-hmm. something out. So that's that's something to look forward to. And and I mean, you've got holidays. So what are you going to do? You going to do something exciting? I am going to see my parents actually, cool. which will be the first time I've seen them since August last year. So um, check you out because thank you, COVID. Uh, so um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. My sister and her uh, her son are going to be there, and my brother and his daughter will be there as well, and me without children. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. That'd be nice. Right here, shall we dive into some tabletop gaming related stuff? Shall we? Shall we quickly talk uh, talk about? Um, Wizards of the Coast have their annual survey up. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I I filled I filled this out for the past few years at least. Anyway, uh, I do, do you normally complete it as well? Or I think I've done it once. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not that interested. Not not in a bad way, but like it's just not something I, f- I feel the need to participate in particularly. I think it's good that they do it. I think mm-hmm. it's really important to engage with your community in that way. Um, but it's not something I have a particular you know strong feeling on one way or the other. Yeah, and uh, so so I do it, and uh, it's I think it's like you say, it's a good thing that they do. It clearly they want to listen to uh, their community to you know. See what they want. So, you know, if you have strong feelings about either Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons, by all means, definitely take this survey because they, you know, wizards use this uh, to inform their decision making when it comes to new products in the future. So, definitely, definitely complete it. We'll include the, the link below. I'm just about to do that. But, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, and speaking of Magic the Gathering, we've had our first tidbits of uh, this summer release of uh, Adventures in Forgotten Realms for Magic the Gathering. We have so indeed. you've had a chance to uh, check these out, yeah? Yeah, so I, I 
uh, I think I've mentioned on previous episodes, I, I am a very, very casual Magic player. I, gone are the days that I get very, very excited about it. Um, I haven't bought a physical magical card, magical card, a physical Magic card, or a physical Magical card, uh, mm-hmm. in case there's any, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! If you plant it, it'll grow into like a a, a, a card tree, a booster tree. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> no, I I haven't I haven't really bought any for a good few years, and I sold a lot of my my collection and just kept my decks. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say this is probably going to be the set that will will encourage me to buy some physical cards again. Yeah, and I I certainly have have been playing uh, the the online Magic game in sort of preparation to kind of get back into the swing of things as well. I quite like the the current set as well, the the, the Harry Potter set, as I like to call it. Um, I think that's kind of fun as well. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's some good stuff. So, so yeah, uh, I've, I've had a look over. There's not been many spelt. There's been about a dozen, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really interesting uh, D&D uh, Forgotten Realms themed cards. Uh, so we've got things like Tiamat, uh, who is uh, one of the the gods of the Forgotten Realms? So she she is the uh, dragon god. Yeah, um, which I think is a really cool. Like even looking at it, I was like, this is really cool for like a dragon commander deck because uh, she's all colors and she's legendary mm-hmm. and she's she's just badass. Um, mm-hmm. And her ability is really cool as well. Like you put her into play and she like she pick like five dragons from your deck. Uh, so not it's named for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that each have different names revealed and put them into your hand and shuffle uh, when she enters the battlefield. So that's, yeah, like you, like you point out, like another commander for like a dragon tribal deck. Yeah. Uh, which would be sweet. Really cool. <laughs> so. Um, so I, I really like the look of her. Um, one thing I did notice, and I was going to actually ask you about it. So I remember when the god keyword was introduced back in Theros. Theros. And at that point in time, all the gods were indestructible. But Tiamat isn't indestructible. Have they moved away from that? Yes. Uh, they So they printed some gods in Amonkhet, which was like the Egyptian-themed set. Mm-hmm. They weren't indestructible, but they had other ways of representing the fact that they're eternal um, sentient gods. creatures. Right. So like it, those ones, you, if it was killed, you would return it to your hand. Right. Um, at the end of the turn, so sort of rep- not not indestructible, but kind of indestructible, basically. Yeah, yeah you can't um, really get rid of it permanently, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, although T- Tiamat doesn't have anything along those lines. Yeah, um, I, I kind of thought it was a bit of a shame. Like, mm-hmm. she seems a little bit underpowered for a god, almost. Um, like, she's got really cool ability. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, I. Um, it's st- it doesn't look like a card that's pushed for competitive play. Let's put it like that. Yeah. But still a cool card. Oh, definitely. It'll it'll, it'll still see a ton of play, yeah. uh, even if it's not the best. We've got some other things. Uh, they've revealed a couple of bits of um, uh, some magic items from the D and D universe that have crossed over. We've got the Vorpal Sword and the uh, Portable Hole mm-hmm. as well, which is I think is neat. Um. We've got a spell, which is uh, based off a famous spell in Dungeons & Dragons, Power Word Kill, mm-hmm. um, which pretty much does what it says on the tin. Uh, it's pretty there's a lot, of, a, a lot of, and this is a, a weird sentence, but there's a lot of black love in, in this set. Like, you've got the, the Power Word Kill is black, the Vorpal Sword is black, the mm-hmm. Beholder looks like it's going to be black. So black seems to be getting a really a, a nice collection of some of the, uh, certainly from what we've seen so far, some yeah. of the the really strong tied D and D stuff, and I hope we see more of that. And I mean, it certainly makes sense for for Power Word Kill and, and the Beholder. I thought the Vorpal Sword as a black card was a a weird choice because the Vorpal Sword's not evil um, in and of itself. Well, and I push my fa- like non-existent glasses up my nose as I say this. Well, actually, uh, black is not evil in Magic the Gathering either. Black is it is the color of it's the color that represents death and ambition. Uh, but it, that's it's not necessarily evil. Um, I know you're looking at me in a skeptical it's way. Bollocks, but mate. It it's is strictly speaking true. Nah, there are plenty nah. of 
<laughs> nope. Nope. Zombies, skeletons, demons, death, death. murder. Yes, there's death, a lot, but yeah, also I, I, evil. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of evil, but it's not exclusively, is what okay. I'm saying. All okay. right? Okay. For, well, for, for example... Um, he racks his brain for an example of there are some evil white creatures. Um, yeah. Kemble uh, from uh, from the Kaladesh set, uh, set. You've also, in fact, uh, Baral as well is pretty evil, and he's uh, pure blue. Uh, he's also from uh, Kaladesh as well. But like so, I, the way I always saw it, and and this is just my opinion, is like if you, if you saw it in kind of like a yin and yang kind of way, I always mm-hmm. saw white was always sort of. The, the more benevolent colour but might have some shades of grey and, and darker aspects and black was the opposite side of the spectrum you know it was always a bit more evil might have some people who you know a bit of kind of your grey mm-hmm. necromancers people who maybe utilise the darker magics for their for, for less sinister purposes but I like look at the card art on like a black deck just pick out any random black deck and tell me that is not evil. This is true. However, there is one very important character who is black in Magic the Gathering um, that is not evil, and that is Liliana. She's Liliana. pretty dodgy. She's pretty dodgy, but she comes good in the end. She She's the one who takes down... Uh, spoilers for a set from a couple of years back. <laughs> she's the one who takes down Nicol Bolas and saves everyone from him, but- eventually. She doesn't really do that so much in a benevolent way, though. She does that because he's a threat to her, and she likes to be a, you know... She does it because Gideon sacrificed himself to save her, mm-hmm. and she now feels guilt for that. Because she's in the that, as you put it, the Harry Potter set in a, as an alter ego, and uh, she's feeling remorse for how things have panned out. And oh, okay. she's still black, I'll point out as well. Okay. So. Uh, so and, and, just... and I'm not and, finished and, when and... Garuk goes evil he turns from green to, to black as well uh, he, went, he, he went to green black yeah right. <laughs> when he was evil they put black on him like come on I don't think, I don't think Garuk was ever good <laughs> he was like a, he was like a primal force though when he like he was you know yeah he was a hunter, he was a hunter. A... anyway Anyway, moral debate yeah, sorry, aside. Right, right, let's let's put aside like the design philosophy and plot of Magic the Gathering. Sorry, like half our listeners at least. I think that's <laughs> what they come for, really. That's what the listening audience wants. They they tune in like God, I hope Tom and Josh have an argument about ben, the morality. Ben, ben, has, ben has definitely tuned out by now. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that. Ben Pretty doesn't sure. listen to our episodes. He does. He's like ah It'll be fine. He does. I, I'm, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> ben, right, Ben, if you're listening to this episode, message Tom and tell him <laughs> off for not having faith in you listening to us. That's a real focused right. comment. Now, now what little audience we had left, they've gone <laughs> as well. They're not even talking to me anymore. <laughs> There's one card that we need to discuss as well <laughs> from this reveal. Uh, and that is, uh, they, they revealed a card called Prosperous Innkeeper. Not particularly exciting. It's a 1-1 one, one, uh, green creature, but it's a halfling. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the first halfling printed in Magic the Gathering, and that's a new creature type now. He's so. not He's not bad either. He, he gives you a treasure token, which is mm-hmm. meh. But then whenever another creature enters a battlefield under your control, you gain one life. That's a nice... Yeah, you could, you could uh, build like a sort of... Um, Soul Sisters deck maybe yeah. in standard with him. Uh, I don't know if there's any others that do a similar thing at the moment, but yeah, yeah. It like a life gain deck would uh, would love this guy. Be so, nice in a green white deck as well. Mm. Well, but like that for me, the more interesting thing is ah, they're printing halflings now, so I kind of wonder what design ideas they're gonna have for them and how they're gonna represent the Forgotten Realms halflings in um, Magic the Gallery. Do you reckon we'll get other, other like Forgotten Realms creature types such as? Well, you mentioned Beholders, but mm-hmm. do you think we we'll get Tieflings and and the like? Maybe, maybe. I mean, you've yeah. got things like the Dragonborn. Uh, you've got things like Tieflings, Asimar, um, which is weird because they're not entirely dissimilar to 
demons and angels mm-hmm. and dragons as well. So, but as you said uh, before we started recording, you were quite surprised that they went for halfling instead of kithkin, uh, which is like the magic equivalent of it. Yeah, but... so it does look like they are steering more into that side of things, you know, in, in actually focusing on the Forgotten Realms content and and keeping it true to that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of hope they they stay true to it. It it reduces the the sort of the way you can interact it with uh, other cards, but it keeps it true to the source material, which is nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm thinking I can, if they bring out a few more green halflings, I can expand my squirrel deck to a squirrel halfling deck. I don't know why that combo makes sense, but it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just works. It's whimsical. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the uh, Forgotten Realms set will be coming out this summer. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and I'll, I'll definitely be giving it a go. I dare say, if we can, Tom and I might go to a pre-release together. That's a lot of nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I'd, be, I'd potentially be up for that. Cool. Moving on. Um, obviously, we had all the Warhammer Fest stuff last week and Ben and I discussed that at length last episode but we haven't had Tom's reaction to this yet so I want I, I, what, the people want to know Tom what what do you think of what did you think of the reveals from Warhammer Fest I would be very diplomatic and I will say I was quite underwhelmed okay I think is, is probably the, the fairest way to put it I thought there was some good stuff mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not going to say there wasn't because there certainly was but to to sort of parallel that, the thing I was most excited about from a Warhammer Fest release week was a book, like a novel, oh. and that kind of that speaks quite a bit about you know the the content. So like the thing I was most interested in was because it was the first time I'd seen it anyway was the new Gotrek book uh, that's coming out. Oh, Gate Slayer. Yeah, which is which is cool, and I don't know that might have even been announced beforehand, but it was the first time I saw it. I don't think it was actually part of the Warhammer Fest. That's even worse. <laughs> That's even worse. I assumed it was because it was in oh, that kind of period. Right. So let's let's analyze. So for 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 a start, Ben and I both said we think it probably would have appeared better if they didn't stretch it out over a whole week. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that's part of the problem? Yeah, it was very much the uh, the billboard baggins, butter spread too thinly over bread kind of situation. Mm-hmm. They had they had some good stuff, but they they spread it out so much that you were like, eh, this is fine, yeah. I guess. So um, the other thing then, so so the the highlights for me were the new vampires. They look mm-hmm. really cool. Yep. Um, we're getting them very soon. Um, and the new space orcs, they look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, so, the things I saw that I liked, I liked the vampires. I think mm-hmm. what they're doing with the undead range at the moment, from sort of Cursed City, uh, and obviously the, the range that's coming out, uh, is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Kudos on that. Really good work. Um, the new orcs, I liked the preview that we saw a few weeks back, and it's good to see more on that and again some good stuff in there i like them i'm not really excited about them because i'm not an orc player yeah um, that's fair so it's like it it's one of those things where objectively yeah they're very good models really cool but for me it's not really pressing any buttons uh and i will say i like the new design on the stormcast as well i like the sleeker design stormcast uh with like the armors a bit slimmer and things, and I like see, the the heavy set ones. See, that's interesting because I think the Stormcast were. While I get that they're they're nice models, I'm I am not excited about them at all. They're not the worst thing from the release. Mm. I think I think worst thing from the release is definitely Sisters of Battle, right? They just yeah. look a bit derpy. Wasn't too impressed with Sisters of Battle. I said to you when it was announced, like the Gaunt Ghost things, lovely models, but who was who was asking for them? You know, who who was like, we need. I think this is like the third time Gaunt's mm-hmm. Ghosts have been given models. Um, at least the second time as a unit they've been given it, and I think there's been at least three Gaunt models by now. And yeah. I'm like, I've never seen it on the field. 
Not once. Like even when I worked in Games Workshop, yeah, nobody fielded pe- them. People don't buy those minis to like play them in a game. They play, they, they buy them to paint them up and display them. Mm, so I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I think any any mini should be potentially usable on the battlefield and should see use on the battlefield. Surely that's the point of a miniatures wargaming company, right? Like when you cut out everything else. Like, yeah, they're beautiful minis. Yes, they look great on display. Yes, you can do fantastic paint jobs on them. These are all valid things. I'm not saying they're not. But when you make a model for a war game, that model should probably see use in a war I game. I mean, it, like, yeah, you can. But I think I think they are more aimed at collectors, clearly. Mm, I'm not I'm not on board. I'm not on board. Because okay. right. right. I bought the Gotrick model, right? By, by contrast, I bought mm-hmm. the Gotrick model. I have every intention of fielding that. Okay. Like, that is why I bought it. I was like, yeah, I want Gotrek on the battlefield. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be so cool actually getting to have a character I really like playing games and have a really cool model as well. And if I bought the Gaunt's Ghost, I would be in the same, you know, the same mindset. But I, I don't think they'll see a lot of use on the battle. I could be wrong. Maybe they will. But anyway, so that I found that really underwhelming as well. Um, it's just, it was, it was a lot of underwhelming. What like, about Krabby? Krabby was cool. Everyone loves Krabby. Everyone loves Krabby, and there's so many memes for Krabby. But one yeah. crab does not a release me, <laughs> right? Like, there's you. You can put a lot on the back of that crab, but there's a lie, right? You can't. You can't carry the whole thing. I think. I think really, what I'd be looking at for next year if I were Games Workshop is how can we make a crab army based around this crab model? people. Like that. That's what the people want to see. Yeah. You? Get clearly. on Clearly. Clearly. Ah, uh, so so yeah, that's Tom's thoughts on Warhammer Fest. There, like it's, um, it, I I've been to I I went to Games Days back in the day, mm-hmm. and I've I've followed Warhammer Fest since and and similar, and there's been some absolutely cracking releases, right? Some really cool announcements, and this one it's just like have a bunch of meh, you know, have have a bunch of things that aren't really that great they're fine down on this i am i am i'll say what the no one else is willing to say it so i'll say it no i think it i think it was okay it was like a b minus b minus c plus c plus at best oh that's you're you're acting as if my b minus is outrageous where your grade is like a half grade different from mine a b minus is a good grade it is like if if i got a b minus c plus is like your average and a little bit more which isn't great right it's like (laughs) you've passed and you know you get a pat on the bike that's the difference that's the line you know grading's very very tenuous I'm gonna I'm gonna message Ben and get his grade for for Warhammer Fest. Hold on, I'm doing grade, it right now. Grade so Warhammer can, Fest. Yeah, hold on. He won't respond in time for the for the episode for the. I know you'll have to cut this. <laughs> yeah, would you grade Warhammer Fest? There we go. He'll. Uh, Truth be told, right? He'll come back and he'll make the very, the very sensible point of gradings are ridiculous. Right? So, so um, it, I think if if they'd done it in a weekend, it would have been a lot easier to take away the positives from it. Mm. But because each day you were like, I wonder what they're going to announce tonight, and then you'd get to it and you'd be like, oh. Right. Okay. Well, I, I think the only weekday was really Tuesday. Like, um, I actually, no, I, I, I said on on last week's episode, I don't really care for Black Library novels, so I, I didn't even watch that one, so I have no opinion on it. Mm. Um, but um, Tuesday was the only day that I was like, oh, this is. Uh, um, but everything else was pretty. St- Pretty strong, albeit. I think we we all expect now these reveal streams to be an hour long, and obviously they were not all an hour long. Mm. So, um, I think so, they yeah. they played their hand a wee bit because I would have probably, and I mean I, I don't know what what goes on in the background. Obviously, I would have held Bellico back for that. Like I think Bellico would have given that a big boost. Mm. Uh, that it, it would have it needed really, in my opinion. Uh, but 
you know, I don't, I don't work for GW, uh, not anymore, and I don't make these decisions. Uh, so, who knows? It was fine, right? It's, it's something. It's better than a kick in the teeth. There you go. That's, that's the Tom, resounding Tom review of Warhammer Fest. Is better than a kick in the teeth. I'm getting very distracted, by the way. Tom is drinking a cup of tea. Right, and on the base of the cup of tea is someone giving the middle finger. It's like every time he sips from his tea, and he's been sipping a lot. He's been There's not been any lot, tea but... in there for the last like yeah. two minutes. <laughs> Uh, so this is a this is a cup uh, I got off my my team at work. It says "World's Greatest Boss," uh, mm-hmm. which is very nice of them. And then when you when you drink from it, it has the the middle finger on the bottom of it, which I didn't realize when when they got it for me. Right, so I was like, oh, oh no. what a what a sweet gesture from my team. How, what yeah. what lovely people they are. And then I went on like a conference call uh, at work. And was like drinking away, and I looked at myself on the conference call and could see myself giving the middle finger <laughs> to all of my peers and boss, and I was like, "Oh dear, oh dear. Mm-hmm. this is this." Is, luckily, I don't think anyone noticed. Or if they did, they didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a very nice gesture um, with a humorous uh, connotation afterwards. So. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And it means I can give Josh the the middle finger mid podcast, and yeah, no one would have known if he hadn't said anything. Exactly, well, I've rumbled you. Anyway, uh, gaming wise, what what have we been up to um, over the last few weeks? I always go first, so I I want you to go first for a change. Oh, put you on the spot. Oh, my mind's drawing blank now. I, I've been like I, I I continue to get a bit more in back into Magic the Gathering. Um, I've been really enjoying the new set. Not necessarily drafting it, but what I have been doing is I've been playing Historicon Arena, um, and I've been just really getting my teeth into that. I'm trying to get to diamond level on the ladder. And I'm not quite there, so that's that's my goal for this month. Um, and I've been continuing to go on the uh, webcam commander nights that uh, me and some of the other guys at Geekaboo have been doing as well. So the last last week, um, I built a deck around a card called Judith the Scourge Diva. She's a Rakdos, one of the Rakdos leaders. Uh, and I built like a tokens deck around her and that was really fun. Okay. So it, it, I've really been enjoying that. Otherwise... Um, I've hit a hobby milestone uh, earlier this week, and I'm quite proud of myself for it. I have got all of the Necrons from the Indomitus box set complete. I've painted them all, and I've, I've got a photograph to prove it. So um, I was just quite like, yeah, I've, I've achieved something here. I so don't know nice. why, but like when you said I've hit a hobby milestone, I kind of envisioned... I don't know if your parents ever did this when you were younger. Mine certainly didn't, but I saw people who did, where they would have like a chart on like the kitchen wall, and if mm-hmm. they did like certain things, they'd get like a star or, you know, some sort of <laughs> marker of the of the success, you know, they'd done, whether it was like you got an A at school or you did the washing up or whatever it was. And I just kind of imagined you alone in your house, finishing painting the last Necron, Sort of solemnly putting it down, standing mm. up, walking over to the counter, picking up a little sticker book, and just walking up to a little little chart you Maybe made I yourself. Should, I, I mean, I don't do that, and uh, my parents never did that either when uh, when I, when I was growing up. But maybe I should do that. You know, like it, it reinforce that feeling of accomplishment every time I achieve yeah. something. You 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 do that, buddy. You know, I'm sure that'll you know, look good. Finish painting Necrons. Got all my work done on time. Didn't feel lonely. You know, that <laughs> sort of stuff. <laughs> mine, mine would be like even an even lower bar. It would be oh, like wow. put put on pants, went outside, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh, talked to another person. You know, lo- really... Guys, lockdown's been rough. <laughs> lockdown's been rough. Um. No, but, but like, I, I, it's it's important to have like um, it's important to set goals. I think for hobby projects, right? So that's one goal that I've I've hit. So ne- next goal is I've got the Battle Force kit and I've got the Necrons from Kill Team that you kindly gave to me. 
uh, to get painted up as well. So they're next on the block. Nice. So I'm going to make a start on them. Do you know what I need, though? I've ran out of black undercoat, so I'm going to need to try and get that. Raging. Yeah. yeah uh, awful. I, on, on a hobby note, I have sent my gene stealers away uh, to be painted. Uh, Ooh. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, who I won't name, uh, but a friend of mine uh, is, is, has offered to, to paint them up for me. Uh, very nicely so hopefully in a few months time uh, I will have a, a fully painted Gene Stealer Force ready for when uh, we can play again can we, can we get another game of 40k in please? Maybe I mean not right now they're, they're, no. they're, away. they're being painted <laughs> uh, but certainly when, when they come back I'll, I'll definitely want to play with play with them uh, so, that's yeah, awesome I'm, I'm really excited about that I've I've picked a color scheme and and everything. So I was gonna say, like, what what color scheme are you going for? Uh, I'm doing them twisted helix, which is sort mm -hmm. of a uh, an aquarish blue um, yeah. for the armor, and then kind of the the classic uh, gene stealer color scheme, the kind of uh, purple Purple-y. and blue, mm -hmm. which is the one I I really like. I've seen some much nicer organic and uh, you know color schemes and things like that, which are really nice. But I like that that classic Gene Stealer look has has always mm -hmm. been a, a favorite of mine, so I'm sticking to that uh, for them. So that's that's really exciting. Um, I would I would have loved to paint them myself, but I just don't have the time at yeah. the moment, uh, and I don't have the patience either uh, at the minute. Uh, I have I have so many painting projects already that adding to it was just nightmarish. And I was I was chatting to him, and I was like, I really want this army painted, but. I'm just not going to do it. And he was like, I'll do it. That's <laughs> like, yes! <laughs> nice. So well, I'm looking forward good, to that. Good work, Tom's friend. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, yeah. Over and above that, what have I been doing? Uh, I've had quite a quiet week on the, the RPG front this week, with the exception of I ran high-level Pathfinder for yourself on mm -hmm. Tuesday, uh, which was fun. Uh, yeah. We, Locag got to kick some ass. We did, yeah. We we did some. Uh, uh, you had sort of a fight against uh, a warm up fight, and then a fight against some uh, a really nasty uh, mythic uh, ice elemental, uh, and then you fought an army of barbarians, uh, which went well. Yeah, it actually did went well. Yeah. Uh, we 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 managed to. I think we pretty much killed half of them, and the rest ran. Hey. You you demolished half of their army, which was about 150 to 100 to maybe 180 200, uh, using rules for that rather than you know 200 models. Uh, yes, you demolished them in about 12 seconds, uh, and they broke. It was a lot. A lot of that was down to Dave's character, Alanon. He's playing a druid and low-key probably the most powerful character out of a lot of us, but we don't get to see his stuff all that much because I think a lot of his stuff is good at, like, for that sort of scenario and, like, dealing with a mass number of enemies, right? He has really good area effect stuff, yeah. He's got things like Mythic Black Tentacles and Firestorm and uh, really good against big groups of, mm. of units, which has happened on a couple of occasions. Uh, and he's he's done really well uh, in those situations. And then after that, yesterday I did character gen for a new game I'm starting for a group of people. I'm only running it once a month uh, just to let the Wednesday night GM have a night off. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm running Star Trek Adventures by Modiphius. Oh, uh, which we... You've spoken about this system previously and how you wanted to give it a go. So, yeah, yes. yeah. tell me how it works then. So, it's really simple. Uh, you have six stats, six skills, uh, and then you have a bunch of values, a bunch of focuses, and a bunch of talents uh, that kind of can factor in on those, those uh, stats. Uh, and you basically... you. It's got a really cool character creation system. It's got a life path system, which other games mm -hmm. have used similar. But you actually kind of play through your character's formative years uh, oh, by right. when you create your character. So you pick your race, you pick mm -hmm. your home world, uh, or your like your upbringing. No, you pick your race, you pick your uh, place of like 
growing up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it might be like on your home world, it might be on like a colony, it might be on a ship. Uh, and then you pick your upbringing, so the kind of lifestyle that your parents kind of brought you up into. And you have a choice at that point whether you want to embrace that lifestyle or rebel. And that kind of dictates some of your characteristics. Okay. And then you have uh, s- what happens to you at Starfleet Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. And you kind of choose your path, whether you're going to go down command operations or sciences. And mm-hmm. then you have two life events, which are uh, a lot of choices of things that have happened that are kind mm-hmm. of defining things in your, your character's background. So it can be stuff like uh, the ship you're on got destroyed or a friend died or you you had first contact with an alien race. Lots of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played through that last night. It took a while uh, because you're basically... I've got five players and you're basically taking five people through this like I did. Eat, I did a stage. Did everyone move to the next stage? Did everyone? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really really cool. Um, and then once we'd kind of worked out all the characters, you also build the ship as well. Uh, oh, so, awesome! <laughs> yeah. So you pick what model of ship you want. You pick uh, what that ship's designed to do, which can dictate things that it's got. So is it a diplomatic vessel? Is it a warship? Is it a scientific vessel? Is it a test bed for like new equipment and things like that? So that's really cool. Uh, then you pick like what talents the ship's got. So like, what's it good at? What's it bad at? Um, you name it. You give it an, an N- NC number, um, which is all really fun. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a really fun like character creation system. Like we didn't play at all. We just just built the characters and the ship uh, and I also let them build the captain as well because nobody wanted to play the captain so they said they wanted an NPC captain so they built the captain as well um, nice. so it's, it's really fun uh, and the Modifia system I've watched a few let's plays of it, I've dabbled with it a little bit myself uh, it's really really good, really fun so I'm gonna do my best here because I am not a Star Trek fan. I have watched like a handful of episodes of ne- of Next Generation, and that's it. So like, where in the timeline is it set, or is that flexible? You, it is flexible. Uh, so in the core rulebook, you can put it in the the Enterprise era, which is, which is the original series. No, right? no. Ooh. The Enterprise era is before the original series. The first sort of proper ship the federation had was called just enterprise uh right. and it was very kind of rugged bit more closer to like how nasa run a ship sure. uh it had kind of the aesthetics of a, a a star trek ship but it had like you know didn't have all the the frills that the enterprise mm-hmm. that you know from the original series like uh, would have uh that's that has the guy from quantum leaping as the main character uh, I don't know if you know ah. Quantum Leap, but uh, he was the main character in that. It's a good good okay. series if you've not watched it. Uh, then you've got the original series, so you can play the Kirk mm-hmm. uh, era. And then you've got Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager are all kind of in a similar time timeline. Yeah, they're very, like, from what I understand, they're all very close together in terms of chronology, whereas, like, the, yeah, the others they, are, like, several generations apart. Right. They cross over, uh, so as just as next gen's kind of winding down voyager and deep space nine pick up uh mm-hmm. and they run almost kind of parallel uh to each other there's, there's only maybe a year or two out of those so my my game is running the default time assumption if you do the next generation era which is what i am doing is you you are just on the tail end of uh next gen finishing just as deep space nine and voyager okay. are kind of picking up uh so we're running there which is cool uh but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good period. There's lots of stuff going on in the Federation. Uh, I'm not going to go into it because you're just going to stare blankly at me for no, five minutes. No, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I because Star Trek is such a humongous like science fiction franchise. Even though I'm not a fan of it and I don't watch it, I do understand like elements of it. So because it's you're setting it in the next gen, I suppose that opens character creation to having Klingons. It does, right? yeah. Because we you're not at war with Klingons anymore. Yeah, so. we have a very diverse crew i think is probably the the fairest way to put it we have a klingon security officer so not very original uh but it's a classic uh we have a gorn uh medical officer gorn are like big burly lizard people Uh, like dr lizard yeah dr lizard uh we have a trill engineer 
uh, Trill are they have a, like a symbiote that lives inside them. Okay. Um, that kind of has memories of the previous people that the symbiotes lived inside of. Ooh, yeah. uh, Don't like that. Don't <laughs> like that. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. We have a human uh, exo uh, second mm-hmm. in command, and we have a Vulcan Rigelian. Uh, he's kind of half and half uh, science officer. Got to go have a Vulcan in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so that's it's a very interesting crew and they are uh, their ship is called the USS Leif Erikson uh, named after uh, the Norwegian explorer that first discovered America I think if my history is right before Ah. Christopher Columbus Uh, because they they chose a Norway class ship and decided that it'd be fun to name it after uh, a famous Norwegian famous Norwegian yeah so hey that's uh, neat I like that and what's the captain called uh, Captain Bizu, I think she's called. Okay. Uh, she is a oh, what are they called? I forgot the name of them. It's Benzite. She's a Benzite, which are these like they're kind of fish people. Um, right. They have like they're they're this weird sort of like their faces. They're blue. They have kind of mm-hmm. clammy looking skin, and they have like kind of very droopy cheeks. Um, uh, we rolled it. So randomly. you're playing a female Admiral Akbar. A little bit, saying. yeah little bit um yeah and they can't breathe like a uh, humanoid atmosphere so they have to have like a little rebreather thing on as well oh wow um so she's the the captain of the ship because uh, it was just random but it's it's cool it's it's interesting i like how uh sort of uh, eclectic it is because uh, that's that's totally star trek it's you know they, they have was, a lot of mixed things in there yeah i was gonna say that in, in a lot of respects star trek maybe not is unique but i think it's unusual in that it's it's view of the future is very optimistic mm-hmm. generally speaking yeah. I know a lot of bad stuff happens in the Star Trek world but like it's it, it, compare it to Warhammer 40,000 <laughs> which is bleak as anything Yeah, I would even say like Star Wars is has like some pretty dark moments in it whereas, whereas Star Trek has this idea that like at some point humanity's just gonna overcome all of its petty rubbish and we'll all start working together somehow. And that's like a very ah oh, Yeah, I mean like believe especially in the human spirit the human spirit. <laughs> especially the next generation. I think some of the later seasons do certainly take on a, a darker tone and, and some people mm-hmm. rile against that. Like Picard, the season the, the series Picard, a lot of people are like, oh it's very dark in tone and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but next gen definitely was it was a utopian society you know the federation was was this exemplary organization there was some small corruption in there and some questionable characters but overall you know it was mm-hmm. uh, it welcomed any race you know it welcomed all these these unique societies and uh, you know and tried to to balance I've, I've actually been watching through the next generation as part of my prep because I like mm-hmm. to watch things that kind of excite me about whatever I'm running Um and I, I've I've not watched Next Gen for ages, and it's it's so good, like it holds up really well, um, and it's such a weird show because nowadays you know it's all like sex and action and and I sound like an old man when I say this right, but it's like nowadays you know you look at something like Game of Thrones or The Boys and these things that have been quite popular, mm-hmm. and they're all like loads of action, loads of like you know really uh, high stakes and you know morally ambiguous characters and all this lot and next gen's just like we're here we're exploring you know i'm here with my buddies oh here's a weird alien in a in a strange in strange makeup uh let's let's try and befriend it um and it's it's actually a lot funnier than i i thought it was going to be when i was kind of rewatching it because i thought it's going to be quite dry but it, it absolutely has a lot of uh, good comedy in there as well but yeah it's really weird like uh as you say seeing this like very upbeat and positive spin on the future when there's been so much doom and gloom in other countries. I mean, I mean are these are these things maybe just like products of their time though they like, certainly certainly the original series of Star Trek came from 1960s America which mm. was like had every reason to be very with with the exception of the threat of nuclear war which like <laughs> loomed heavy it later on in the decade but uh, certainly initially, there was a sort of optimism to America mm. um, at the start of that decade. 
and probably for the 80s as well when they started doing next gen you know mm-hmm. reagan era america while it was not very good for uh, a lot of people it was exceptionally good for others so it's interesting because as much as it does capture a lot of those very positive mindsets especially of those here of the u.s it's very anti-like capitalism uh and it has a lot of political oh. commentary in it as well like because they they meet uh going completely off topic here but they meet races like the ferengi that are societies mm-hmm. driven by material wealth and mm-hmm. they kind of scoff at them and like oh you know capitalism's a base instinct and all this kind of stuff um so it really does kind of rile against you know that's not the way forward interesting um, when it was in an era where you know capitalism and and you know uh how much could a man earn with the sweat of his brow kind of thing was it was a big focus for the the us and you know anyone could come in and, and earn all this wealth and prosperity mm-hmm. so uh yeah it's uh it's it's a weird sort of uh polar opposites in a way that it, it does kind of sing to the the hopefulness of, of america at that period of time but then completely flies in the face of what was driving that <laughs> i mean certainly i think we can agree like the the reason why we have like these dark ultra-violent tv shows now is a reflection on how cynical uh people have become right i don't think that's a particular big jump is it no, no definitely not i think uh that's that's very reflective of the society we live in which is sad in a way but you know I, yeah i i i don't know maybe turning this into a therapy session maybe this is like why i'm not too fussed about tv series at the moment like that's fair i i i don't know the real like the real world's rubbish enough like i can't <laughs> i want to get a bit of escapism and but i think the the escapism is that we're, we're not even a gaming podcast at this moment we got completely no, off. we're so far <laughs> removed from it but like let's not stop but i i think like you're right. They are. There's certainly cynical content, and it's you know, it, it isn't the same escapism. But if you look at a lot of that stuff, like by way of example, Game of Thrones is quite cynical. Um, the Boys is quite cynical. Um, but these kinds of shows, as much as they have a cynical outlook on governments and the world, and you know all this stuff, there's always the underdogs kind of pushing against it. So it, it as much as there is a cynical overview, there is this this little light in the middle of it. And I sound very yeah. hippy dippy here. And 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 what happens to all of those underdogs? Because of what I've seen of Game of Thrones, <laughs> most of them get killed. Most, but not all of them. <laughs> not all of them. And it does end with a good person being put on the the respective thrones. Because yeah, uh, everyone was real happy about the yeah. <laughs> the ending of that series. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, there's suffering, right? And there's loss, and mm. and and that certainly isn't so much of the escapism. But I think the underlying message is, you know, just because it's bleak and it's hard and it's it's difficult doesn't mean you give up. It doesn't mean there yeah. is no hope. So that's what I take away from it. That's my okay. my okay. spin on, on that. That's why I, I love to get back to, to, to what we're actually supposed to do a podcast about. That's why I love <laughs> horror games and, uh, you know, adversity in these kinds of games. You know, games mm-hmm. where you're really kind of pushing against. It's why I play the shit armies in like 40k because I like the idea of the the little guy, the the mm-hmm. loser, pushing up against you know the the dark odds and things, and it's the same with like horror games. Uh, yeah. You know, in my opinion, Gene Steeler cultists aren't the bad guys in 40k at all. I don't see the army as that. They're mm. they're not good guys, <laughs> but you know the the imperial the the imperium is. Oh yeah, the imperium is the, the oppressor. Like, the, the, the Imperium of Man in 40k is evil. There's yeah. no two ways about it. You know, if you, you think that they're the good guys, you, you you've got you're mistaken. You <laughs> like, know, if you you look at the gene stealer cults, what are they doing? They're just a race trying to propagate their species. You know, spread the the good word of their, their particular way of life. Uh, and have some freedom in, in yeah, and call so. upon an invasion of xenomorphs to eat I mean, everyone. That's di- that's that's over there. That's not. Let's not talk about that right now. <laughs> let's mm. just focus on the moment. Mm-hmm. Bit of freedom mm. and liberation from this uh, this imperial oppression. <laughs> that's that's the way I see. 
Oh dear. Right. On that on that note, should we should we draw this episode to a close? I think so. I think that's yeah, good a good cool. good place to leave it. We brought it back to gaming at least. We did. So, you know, we, we're we professionals, right? Like yeah, we yeah. go off on tangents. Yeah. We talk about our own things. We send out messages to our friends via podcast. But we're professionals. Did Ben reply? By the way. Oh, um, he did. Star, uh, stars, letters, what scale? <laughs> well, we we need to elaborate. Uh, uh, great, uh, as in, as in, F to A. I will see if he responds. It did take him. 13 minutes to respond <laughs> to the first message so Might you know what? To... we can we can hang on a bit and uh we'll we'll see so we've uh, we've got a response from ben uh he grades uh warmer fest a b solid b solid b yeah i, I added the solid that that's me but he graded it a b i wish ben was one of my teachers as i was when i was at school you know, I really could have done with someone to bump those grades up a bit. I did also mention what we graded it, and he, his comment is simply, Tom's a pessimist, though. But I'm not. We discussed that I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm harsh. I'm not a pessimist. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. You don't yeah, look convinced. first, folks. Tom's not a pessimist. I'm not. I'm going to go really squeaky if I keep trying yeah. to defend myself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> will we draw the episode to a close now? Let's do that. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, guys, as always, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.